Well, good morning. We are in this um, series, sermon series called Humanity's Healing, as we've been talking about uh, how God comes and heals us of our broken places and sins and frees us to live more whole lives. And as we think about um, what we've been going through and where we're headed, um, today we're going to read from the Gospel of John. And before we do that, um, I was been thinking about how this particular passage, a familiar passage about the, the, the woman caught in adultery, how I, I was thinking about how in 1 Kings we have this incredible story um, of King Solomon. And King Solomon was known for his wisdom. This was the son of David. David has passed away, and Solomon is now sits on the throne of Israel. And he's known for his wisdom and his judgment. And there's an episode in, in his story where these two women approach the throne um, with one child. Both of these women had given birth to a child, and one of the children had passed away, and the other one was alive, and both women laid claim to be the child's mother. And they come before King Solomon wanting judgment. And so they present their case, and after hearing both sides of the case, um, Solomon then calls for a, a guard in the temple to come forward, take the child, and cut the child in two and give one half to one mother and the other half to the other mother so both mothers could be mother to half a child. Well, one woman remained quiet and was, seemed to be quite content with that decision. The other woman was upset and said, no, um, don't do that. Just give the child, give the boy to the other woman and let the boy live. Solomon, hearing all of this, knew right away who the real mother was, the one who wanted the child to live at any cost. This is, this is an important story because it shows how Solomon, led by the Spirit, led by God, to make wise decisions, but decisions that we would not have expected, did not anticipate, who would have guessed, certainly not me, that the right decision was to pick this child up and cut it in two? Not, not in my brain. Not the way I think. Not the way any of us thinks. But it led to the truth. This, is, this, this kind of discernment, this kind of wisdom is going to be played out in our story in John. This story is found in John chapter 8, verses 1 through 11. But even this passage is a little confusing because you could lift these um, well, 12 verses if you go back to the last verse of chapter 7, um, in 7.53, and then read through 8.11. You could take those 12 verses, lift them out of, the, out of the gospel, and move them, and you wouldn't lose anything. It would be a quite a seamless narrative. And so some people, if you have an NRSV version of the Bible, it, you'll notice that these, these verses are bracketed. These, this, the earliest manuscripts did not have this passage. It's not in there. So, some, some of the older manuscripts had, had, the, had the passage at the end of the gospel as like an appendix. 
As a, here's another story that, that Jesus did. And, 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 and some manuscripts even move that passage completely to the gospel according to Luke because it fits better with Luke. It fits better with the synoptic gospels. But here we have it where it sits. And maybe it belongs right where it sits. Because in, this, in chapter 7 and 8 of, of John, we have Jesus in Jerusalem. And he is, he is teaching and he is offering incredible teaching out of authority that doesn't come from the earth. It comes from above. And, and, the, and the, the priests and the Pharisees and the scribes and the Sadducees, they are struggling with who Jesus is and these teachings. And more importantly, they are really bothered by the amount of people who are gathering around Jesus to listen, to learn from this young rabbi, this young teacher. We find Jesus on the, on the, on the, at the end or right immediately after the, the Feast of the Tabernacles. This is an important pilgrimage feast. There are three pilgrimages in Judaism, in ancient Judaism, and this is one of them. This is the, the Feast of the Tabernacles, Sukkot, or known as Booths, and it celebrates how God protected and provided for the Israelites in their wilderness wanderings as they lived in these temporary shelters. God provided for his people, protected them from the elements, gave them food and water, everything they needed for life while they wandered for 40 years. So in this ancient times, even some, in some neighborhoods today where there are Orthodox Jewish communities, if in, the, in the festival of Sukkot, you will see temporary shelters, booths built in neighborhoods around synagogues to continue this tradition. So for eight days, the Israelites, the Jewish people, would live in these temporary shelters outside their homes to commemorate and remember what God has done for them and for the people of God. This is important because there were a lot of people in Jerusalem in this pilgrimage. And the crowds were gathering around Jesus. And they were impressed. They were amazed. They began to call him the Messiah or a prophet. They, they were absolutely amazed at what this man was saying, teaching. Which just got under the skin of the religious leaders. They couldn't take it anymore. They had rejected Jesus, they had resisted Jesus, and now they want the people to resist Jesus, anything to stop him. And they sent out the temple guard to arrest him, but they could not. In fact, the temple guard came back and said, we've never heard anyone say these things. It's amazing. And so the, the Pharisees and the religious leaders said, well, you too have been duped. You've been to, we'll take matters into our own hands. And we'll go down and we'll trap him and we'll, we'll show the world just who this Jesus, who this young rabbi really is. And, and we'll, show, we'll show everybody. Don't you worry about it. So they go down, picking up with verse, chapter 8, verses 1. This is the story of the woman caught in adultery. While Jesus went to the Mount of Olives, early in the morning he came again to the temple. All the people came to him and he sat down and began to teach them. 
The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery. And making her stand before all of them, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in the very act of committing adultery. Now in the law of Moses, in the law Moses commanded to us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? They said this to test him, so that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let anyone among you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And once again, he bent down and wrote on the ground. When they heard it, they went away, one by one, beginning with the elders. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus straightened up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, sir. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go your way, and from now on, do not sin again. May God bless the reading of the word. This is a powerful story. It's, and its power is that Jesus responds in a way that the Pharisees and the religious leaders did not expect, did not anticipate, certainly didn't want. They bring this woman before him, before the public, on, this, on these temple steps where the masses are gathering. And they make a charge against her. They want to condemn her to death. And they tell Jesus, according to the law, Moses said she should be stoned to death. Jesus has listened. He's heard their side of the story. And what does he do? He kneels down and begins to doodle in the dirt. It says he was writing something. We don't know what it was. People have made all kinds of guesses. Maybe it was the names of the, of the accusers. Maybe it was the sins of the accusers. Who knows? Maybe he was drawing stick figures. We don't know. We really don't. I think what, what is important here is that Jesus was not pressured, was not influenced by the accusers. He was mature. Some might say that he was differentiated, self-actuating. He operated from within. And he knelt down and he considered the problem. One thing in John that we need to remember is that in John, Jesus is always in control. John, the gospel writer, wants us to understand this is a divine figure. This is, Jesus is divine, and he is always in control until he's not. And that occurs when he enters his passion, and things begin to happen to him. In this story, Jesus is still in control. When the accusers come and bring this poor woman before him, his disciples, all these people who are gathered, he knew something wasn't right. He knew that they weren't following the law, that they were picking and choosing what they wanted. Because according to the law, 
The man and the woman caught in adultery should have been brought forward, and with at least two witnesses, then we can have a, a real trial, and then the condemned can be condemned outright with justice. But as it stood, only the woman was brought forward, not the man. The woman had no voice in society. She was powerless in society, and she was the one that they brought forward to, to lay a trap. Jesus kneels down and writes in the dirt. And then he stands when he's ready and he says, Let the one among you who is without sin cast the first stone. Not what they expected to hear at all. Not what any of us would have expected to hear. Not what his students expected. Not what the Pharisees expected. Not even what the woman expected. If she were called in adultery, really called in adultery, she expected to be taken outside the city gate and stoned to death. Even she knew that the proceedings were not right. And even if she knew that her counterpart her partner in crime was not present, even if she knew there were not two witnesses witnessing against her. She fully expected to be taken outside the city and to be stoned. But God does something different, does something unexpected. Again, takes a child to cut in half and to give one half to one mother and another half to another mother to know the truth. That there are always those among us who are self-righteous. There are always those among us who are hypocrites, who are legalistic. And God takes that knowledge, takes that understanding, and turns it upside down. When Jesus stands up, and looks at the woman and says, where are your accusers? Who has condemned you now? And she says, no one, sir. And Jesus offers these powerful words. Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. This woman has been healed. Healed from her sin made free to go and live a life that is full. Go and sin no more. Go and live. Live in a relationship with me and with one another. Be in a community, not isolated, not condemned. Go and live. What a powerful, powerful story. Now, as we think about what Jesus does in this challenge to the, to the Pharisees and the scribes, uh, we, we hear in this rebuttal a challenge to the convenient legalism of that day and ours. We hear a challenge to self-understanding of the woman caught in adultery. She knew that she was broken and had been caught. A challenge to the self-righteousness and self-understanding of her accusers. They were caught in their hypocrisy. 
a challenge to how we view one another and how we see and judge one another. We're called to, to judge as Christ judged, to discern as Christ discerned, to see with forgiveness and grace and mercy. A challenge to how we expect God to respond to humanity's broken condition. And that is with grace and forgiveness. A challenge to how we are asked and expected to live as forgiven and redeemed people. To go and sin no more. In this story, we can, if we're brave enough, we can locate ourselves in this story. Where are we? What are our words? What are our actions? Do we find ourselves mimicking Christ? fully differentiated and acting from within our own person and strength, the strength found only in the spirit of truth? Do we find ourselves broken, ashamed, publicly exposed before our accusers, looking for all others who are like us? Do we find ourselves standing proud in our own success, in our own position, our own correctness, and our own self-righteousness, or do we find ourselves on the other side of being recognized for our brokenness, our wrongdoing? Do we find ourselves forgiven to go and sin no more and to live? Wherever we find ourselves in this story, I believe one thing is certainly true. Christ is acting from his own strength and in our best interest to lead us to be the best that we can be, the best humans that we can be, offering wholeness for the broken, self-awareness for the self-righteous, honesty for the, for the hypocrite, faithfulness for the adulterer, and for the isolated, a sense of community, for the legalistic, an understanding of grace, and for the hopeless, another chance, for the sinful, forgiveness and for the forgiven freedom. For us, for each of us, for you and for me, a healing that leads to a fullness that is holy, that is gracious, that is loving, that is faithful, that is hopeful. Today, when we gather around the Lord's table, I pray we come aware of who we really are. And by the grace of God, we see others as equally broken and equally worthy of grace and forgiveness. May the grace of God continue to surprise us, and may Christ's forgiveness continue to overwhelm our sins and our wrongdoings. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.